Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Get in the Hole podcast, brought to you by our good friends over at Kenwood Beer. You know, John, I haven't really had a chance to have a, a, a Kenny yet, but at, at some point when I do, I'm going to be, be very uh, surprised. It's a nice little pale ale, smooth, according to uh, Kyle Bennett, the owner and founder of uh, our esteemed underground sports. He says that that it's terrific, so I'm really looking forward to having that. But regardless, if we are here, folks, to get in the whole podcast, Steve McAvoy, John Mavalia. We're going to the U.S. Open. We're not actually going to the U.S. Open. However, we're going to be looking at everything that you need to know about the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, La Jolla, California. Uh, my uncle is actually going to be on site, uh, hopefully sending us some videos, although he has no idea how to operate a camera. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> but, John, how excited are you? This is the third major of the year. It seems like the, the year has gone by so quick. We had, of course, Augusta uh, in April. We had a PGA Championship that, that seemed like literally last week. I was only mm. about a month ago. How excited are you now that now that we're going to be back for, in my opinion, the most important uh, major, considering it's the United States Open. It's, uh, it's a huge opportunity for a lot of young golfers. But, John, what's your opinion now uh, of us going to La Jolla? I am. I think this is the major that I'm most excited for out of all the majors. I was, and I was really excited for the Masters. I was really excited for the PGA. Um, and it's, it's kind of tough to gauge excitement, you know, sometimes because I'm excited about every single major, you know what I mean? But yeah. this particular major, I think I'm more excited about this definitely than I was the PGA. And I'm more excited about this than I was the British Open, even though I'm looking forward to that too. I mean, we just got a nice stretch of golf here um, that honestly, I feel like I say it every week, you know, we're kind of a little spoiled as golf fans here and there. Um, but I mean, it's really, really true. And I'm looking forward to this week as much as I was last week, to be honest. I think the cool thing about the U.S. Open is not necessarily that, like, the Masters are, is always going to be this uh, incredibly hyped-up event that everyone cares about because it, it's Augusta, it's the history, it's Magnolia Lane, it's all that. But the U.S. Open, it, it kind of hits home for us because, of course, us being on the island, Beth Page Black uh, is one of the most famous municipal courses. And now, over the last few years, you've seen the PGA Championship as well as the U.S. Open kind of mm-hmm. shift from the – uh, private golf club like like the, the Pebble Beaches and yeah Wingfoot, mm-hmm. but now you've seen like PPC Harding Park. You're going to see now Torrey Pines, which has been a uh, a staple event uh, every year, mm-hmm. hosting the Farmers Insurance Open uh, in late January, early February. But now it's finally getting its chance to host its first major since since 2008. Back when Tiger Woods uh, won it, then again Tiger Woods has won everywhere. So uh, mm-hmm. it's really cool to see these municipal golf courses kind of come into line. Like you and I were talking about it prior to the show. It's if you're, if you're a resident of San Diego, you could play this place for $63. <laughs> but uh, if you and I take the trek out, out to California, it's going to be uh, 220 bucks with a card. So it's going to be hell on earth. But you know what? Look, honestly, it's so nice to get to see these courses uh, in action. Because, again, and we're going to mention this, it's a very different course from Farmers uh, back in January to now because, obviously, the conditions are far more uh, advanced. They're probably pouring hundreds of thousands of gallons of water and it in the bunkers and on the greens to make it as firm as could be. They're probably using a uh, manscape trimmers to trim down the, uh, the, the greens to the point that to the point that it's literally going to be uh, faster than ever. So we'll see what's going to happen. But first we got to recap what happened this past week. I kind of mentioned there was a, uh, a throwaway week in terms of the fact that that's kind of ramping up to uh, a major. And it's one of those weeks that a lot of big players usually don't end up playing because of the fact that they're, getting ready for Torrey Pines. They're getting ready, and they're at those uh, those major sites. But Palmetto was everything we could have thought uh, – e- everything we could have wanted uh, mm-hmm. and more. Garrett Higo 
uh, with the big win, the South African uh, national. But the only question that I have for you, and, and this is going to be um, our only real recap of Palmetto, aside from the fact that uh, it was a great event in and of itself, being that I was supposed to be in Canada. Uh, but of course, because of COVID, uh, the Canadians haven't really done uh, any sort of sports. We, well, we've seen it with uh, the bubble uh, in hockey. We've seen it with the Blue Jays being unable to play up there, as well as the Raptors. So no uh, no RBC Canadian Open. So they moved it out to Palmetto uh, in South mm-hmm. Carolina. Garrett Kago's first PGA Tour win and only his second worldwide start. So, John, the question for you here is, is we've seen Americans like Colin Morikawa and Matthew Wolf and um, the Young Guns kind of come up through the ranks and, and really um, show that they are the future of golf in the Americas. But mm. in Europe, it's only really been Victor Hovland. And, and yes, a lot of these players are, um, are American raised in terms of going to college. Garrett Higo went to uh, UNLV mm. for two years before turning pro. Hovland, of course, uh, Oklahoma State with Matt Wolf and then uh, Colin Morikawa. So have we found that next kind of running mate with Victor Hovland as the next like international golf superstar? I I'm cautious when I answer that question um, because I'm going to say yes, that we have, um, but we really don't know at this point, to be honest, you know, this guy had, he had a lot of hype around him, um, but he never really did anything notable as far as like, you know, when like he won his first tour event now. Um, But as, as far as like coming up to like Americans, like you and I, like, his name hasn't really come up to us yet, you know? It's been, like, you know, kind of like a, bo- a bottle, like, oh, this guy, you know, lefty, South African, a lot of talent, stuff like that. But we really haven't, as Americans, we haven't heard. I'm sure the Europeans have heard a bunch about this guy for a couple of years now. Um, but we just haven't heard it yet, so I'm kind of a little cautious. I like his game, though, and I, I really I really like how he, how he handled, like, this weekend. You know, he wasn't necessarily – um, I mean, what, what was he? His deficit was, um, let me look, he, he was three under on Sunday. I'm pretty sure Hadley blew a lead that he had like at least three or four strokes on. Yeah, you know, so he came up. back from six strokes. He obviously has like a really, really level head. Um, watching him like warm up if Casey was going to a playoff was cool to see. Um, I like. There's a lot to like about him. He seems like a good personality. Um, and it's nothing but good for golf to have another European young, talented guy burst on the scene and potentially make a name for himself. I think that's awesome to see. I really do think we have that that next running mate with Victor Hovland as where uh, in America we have Matt, Matt Wolf and uh, Colin Morikawa. And here's why. He's had, I believe, three or four European tour wins already. This is his second worldwide start. And he, uh, granted, he didn't really win it in a – sexy fashion it was kind of a meltdown from almost from almost everyone in the field except for him again mm. like, like you said three under and he, and he literally went i think mm. three under two under three under three under uh for his weekend for his week so it wasn't anything like too spectacular it wasn't uh blowing mm. away the course record or anything but yeah. at the same time though yeah his name hasn't really come up in the american ranks but a lot of that comes down to the idea that that again it's only a second uh worldwide star he hasn't had a chance to uh, going to a major yet, which th- which this weekend uh, at Torrey Pines will be his first. So I certainly think we're going to hear a lot more uh, from Garrett Higo. Uh, Justin Ray actually predicted him as a top 20 play on my podcast that I work on, Making Birdies. So um, he's clearly made a name for himself in terms of the numbers, uh, being that Justin's a big numbers guy. So I do mm-hmm. certainly expect Garrett Higo to make to become a, a almost a, almost a household name, a staple name. Uh, in the European rank, but it's only going to go up from here again. Like you said, they're very level-headed, has a very calm game, very uh, structured mm-hmm. approach to, to the game, which I think is really good. Plus, also, he's 23 years old. He's a, he's literally a baby. Yeah, he's young. 
Hoblin's 24, Morikawa's 25, Wolf's 24. So he's still a little younger. He's literally our age. So uh, there's mm-hmm. certainly a lot more growth for uh, for Gallardo. But really quickly, we need to take a quick short break, get a word from our sponsors. But when we come back, we're going to give you everything from the big names to the course history, to the course breakdown. And, of course, how can we not talk Brooks versus uh, Bryson? We're going to come right back, bro, folks. But first, a word from our sponsors. <laughs> The Get in the Hole podcast is sponsored by Tomahawk Shades, the best eyewear in the game. Tomahawk Shades is making sure that when you tee off on hole number one, your eyes are well protected from the sun as soon as you hit hole 18. Tomahawk Shades founded by two brothers on Long Island to make sure that you're getting a quality product for an affordable price and not spending an entire two weeks paycheck on one pair of sunglasses and you're looking styling and profiling on the golf course. And say you're at home watching the PGA Tour, they got the blue light plus glasses to protect your eyes from those violent blue lights that come from your TV. Go to TomahawkShades.com right now, fill up your cart for the golf season, get the sunglasses, the blue light plus glasses, and anything else you need while you're out on the course so that you look the best and you can live up to the look good, feel good, play good moniker that we live by here in the underground. And when you go to check out, Use our code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com and all orders qualify for free domestic shipping. That's TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP for 25% off your order and all orders qualify for free domestic shipping. Big thank you to Tomahawk Shades for sponsoring the Get in the Hole podcast. The Get in the Hole podcast is also sponsored by our friends at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. That's right. Stateside Vodka is the official vodka of the Get in the Hole podcast. Guys, they're headquartered in Old Kensington, Philadelphia. They're right in our backyard. They are seven times distilled, certified gluten-free. And get this, Stateside Vodka is blended with electrolytes, making it the first vodka on the market blended with electrolytes on the same mineral composition found in that sports drink that starts with a G. And it's the first actively hydrating vodka on the market. They've also won awards for best packaging in the world. Who doesn't love a winner? And as you guys are listening to this, Stateside Vodka has got you ready for the summer. They just released the vodka sodas in the cans. They are in the vodka soda game. Stateside Vodka is taking things to the next level with their vodka soda variety pack. It's easily the drink of the summer. So go to statesidevodka.com right now. Get the vodka sodas. Get your vodka. They even have the bourbon in stock. And when they do, you don't want to miss out on that. It is very limited. So get your hands on everything that Stateside has to offer. And when you go to checkout, make sure you have those one liter bottles in your cart so you can help us out, pay some bills. Use our code USP to get 10% off the one liter bottles of vodka at statesidevodka.com. Must be 21 or older to purchase. And of course, guys, as always, please drink responsibly. Welcome back to the Get in the Hole podcast. Steve McAvoy, John Mavelia. We are going to La Jolla, California for the, uh, for the 182nd U.S. Open. Last year, it was up by us in Mamaroneck, New York at Winged Foot. And now it's a whole new ball game. So Torrey Pines usually plays for the Farmers Insurance Open that we talked about in, in January, February. 
but they usually split it between the north and the south course. For those of you who aren't aware, there are two courses, uh, both designed by, by William F. Bell, the son of William P. Bell, uh, the famed architect and one of the renovators of Augusta National. So it's a very important course in terms of its, uh, its illustrious history. But the Farmers Insurance Open usually splits between the north and the south course. We're going to be focusing solely on the north course. Uh, it plays as the longest PGA Tour uh, regular season event at over 7,600 yards. Uh, it won't be the longest this year, uh, considering Kiwa Islands taking that one at 7,800 in terms of the majors. However, it's a very different course, as we had mentioned, from January, February to now. Obviously, the summer months out in California, uh, it's much hotter. It's much drier. They're certainly making the conditions a lot better. There's a lot of very interesting things to like about Torrey Pines, and we're going to start with this one, John. We're going to have you break down some crucial holes, some big-time things. What is going to be the most important part of Torrey Pines that the players this weekend have to watch out for? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this, this, is, this course is a little bit different um, than in past years. It had a couple of uh, redesigns in 2001 and, and then again in 2019. Um, but what they did is they added more distance and they added more bunkers around the fairways and greenside bunkers um, to create a little bit more trouble. Um, so there's definitely more uh, room for error, that's for sure. Um, and they also made uh, had some elevated greens. Um, so if distance wasn't already an issue, um, it could potentially be an issue for some of those shorter hitters and stuff like that. Um, there are not many doglers on this course. And I do want to get into some of the holes of the seaside course. The first one, the only par four that's less than 400 yards is the second hole. Uh, I, want, I believe it plays at like 397, I believe. Um, that's the second hole. So this is definitely a birdie opportunity. Got to keep it in the fairway here. Um, but it is, of course, it is an opportunity for players to gain a stroke um, early, early on in their round. The next hole that I want to look at is the third hole. This is a par three, really scenic hole, 195-yard uh, hole. It is into the wind, but it plays downhill. Um, so depending on the wind, you know, this could be as low as a nine iron or as high as a five iron, you know. Um, it really all depends. That wind on that hole is very, very brutal. And then I want to jump to the sixth hole. Um, this is one of the few dog legs that this hole, this course has. Um, so this is a dog leg right, so it'll favor um, faders of the ball a little bit. This hole normally plays as a 560-yard par five, but for this tournament, it's going to be a 515-yard par four. Um, so look for those guys who are gaining strokes off the tee to have a significant advantage on that hole. Um, and honestly, throughout the course, obviously, because it is one of those longer courses. And then jumping to the last hole, the 18th hole, um, this was the easiest hole, obviously, the side of the Tiger Woods, you know, uh, draining the putt and all that against Rocco. Um, so it is, it does, it that is a hole that kind of made a name for itself. 18th at Torrey Pines it was the easiest hole when Tiger played no eight. It will probably likely be the easiest hole again this year. I would look for a lot of birdies. Um, and especially being that this is the last hole, players are going to end their round on this hole. So going into next round, it could kind of give them a little bit of momentum. Or if they don't get a birdie, you know, it might like sit in their head overnight or something like that. Um, so this is, a, this is a keyhole where people can gain a stroke heading into the next round or in the last round, potentially. What I found fascinating about Torrey Pines when we're looking up the, uh, the history of, of the course, like you said, there was a redesign in 2019. But back in 08, when Tiger Woods uh, won, the easiest hole played, like you said, was the 18th. As well now, over the last three years, even after the redesign, the 18th hole has been uh, the, the one of the few birdie or better, uh, better birdie or better holes on the entire course. So we're certainly going to see a lot of action on the 18th. But like you mentioned, three, four, uh, three, four, sorry, two, three, and six on the mm -hmm. front nine. But there really isn't a lot to talk about on the back nine because 
every hole gets consistently more difficult as you go on. And obviously that's, that's the goal for any, for any uh, major yeah. event. But what I'm looking at is going to be a lot of um, heavy hitters. And a lot of, when I'm, when I say that, I mean, daytime drivers are going to love this course. And, and, mm-hmm. and the reason being is while the front nine usually plays to your uh, plays to you, the, the back nine's always playing to play. You're playing to the win. So it's going to be a mm-hmm. terrific opportunity for a lot of guys to, we might see a Bryson DeChambeau 400 yard drive. If you're going to 25 mile an hour wind to your wind from your back. It's going to be a, um, a course where heavy hitters like Jason Kokrak, guys like Mark Leishman, uh, guys who, who seen again, the Bryson DeChambeau's of the world, the Rory McIlroy's who, where Rory McIlroy ha- hasn't really done very well in majors uh, in recent history. This could be a weekend that he might thrive uh, because of the fact that, that again, one of those guys who could drive the ball 340 yards um, in general, now now throwing a 25 mile an hour wind uh, and a downhill lie going into it. So we're going to see a lot of a lot of things like that. But again, you really have to make your opportunities count early on. And like you said, that second and third hole, uh, birdie opportunities and chances to kind of get ahead. It's mm-hmm. going to be tough though for a lot of guys who might have those first hole jitters, especially at a major. Uh, it's pretty mm-hmm. tough from the first hole. You notice a lot of guys actually the numbers mm-hmm. uh, support over the last five U.S. Opens. Players tend to actually have their worst worst starts. Um, as they get into the weekend, but they eventually kind of shape things up. You, you saw with Xander Shoffley, even at the Masters, had three really good days. And then on the fourth day, started off bogey, bogey, par uh, to begin at Augusta. Same thing at the PGA Championship, didn't have a really good start, but had a hot finish. So we're going to see a lot of that there. But but speaking of these big-time driving names, and, and actually Xander Shoffley, we're going to start off with him here. Some of the big names that are going to be appearing across the weekend, we're going to start here with Xander Shoffley. Um, a native resident of San Diego, as well as another man who we're going to talk about in a hot second, literally is playing in his backyard. He played uh, at Torrey Pines in high school events uh, mm-hmm. and has won multiple times back in high school, as well as uh, some college uh, exhibitions that, that he used to play at home. So as a guy who has never won a major and you get to come mm-hmm. home to San Diego, a course that you're incredibly familiar with, it almost mm-hmm. seems like a home run. But is it really going to be a home run for Xander Schauffele? I think so. I was I was I was looking. I was researching and stuff like that. And he did come tied for second in January. However, he has struggled tremendously at this course professionally playing. Obviously, maybe in his um, amateur years or before that, um, he might have had success. But professionally playing this course, it has not necessarily been too good to him, even though it's in his hometown. Uh, however, there's one note about Xander Schauffele that gives me a whole lot of confidence. Uh, he has never finished. He's played in four U.S. Opens. He has never finished worse than tied for sixth in a U.S. Open. So if this, I mean, given how many shots he's had to win a major and how many top tens he has and all the majors that he's played in, this weekend would be the weekend for him to win it if there was one. If there's, a, if there's one stat that I'm looking at for Xander Schauffele, aside from the fact that, that he is one of the better iron players, driver players, literally all around five tool athletes of the game, it's the putting. And usually stroke skiing and putting, especially at Torrey Pines, isn't necessarily a big thing. Again, driving distance is going to be the key. But Xander Schauffele's preferred grass to putt on, and here comes the botany lesson, folks, is uh, Poa Anu uh, grass. I probably butchered the name there. But <laughs> it's, it's an incredibly thin grass, very firm greens, very quick greens. Xander Schauffele thrives on these courses. And uh, there are very few courses here that actually carry that kind of grass. It's a very... Um, West Coast Hawaii style grass that you really only see um, very early on in the year at like Safeway or Kapalua Island and now here at Torrey Pines it's a, again different conditions considering at, at those times in the year you're playing in January and February 
Now you're going to be playing it in the heart of June. I'm not totally sure if it's going to be the same form, but I do think Shoffley is almost a lock at this point to be somewhere in the top 10 range. He's, he's mm-hmm. never a guy you can ever count out to not win. But as we've seen with his recent mm-hmm. uh, track record, he isn't necessarily one to win majors. However, he's one to win you money at the ticket booth if you're taking the top mm-hmm. five or top 10. So we'll see what Xander's doing. On the flip side, another hometown guy is who else? Former, uh, well, not former, uh, reigning PGA champion, Phil Mickelson. <laughs> and I, I, you're shaking your arms, but it, it almost seems like destiny for Phil Mickelson to just do some other whack-ass stuff. Uh, he, he turns 52 uh, on Wednesday, but is the birthday magic going to carry into carry into the week? Where's Phil Mickelson going to kind of fall uh, fall here, and is he going to win and complete the Grand Slam? Phil has Phil really has nothing to lose this weekend, to be honest. I think he's really going to this tournament very very focused and with a clear head. Um, I don't I don't think he has like oh this is my only chance to win the the career Grand Slam and, or any of that in his head. Um, a couple, a couple of things about Phil that I found very, very, very interesting. Um, this obviously is his hometown course. He has won three times here. Um, but since the redesign in 2001, we're talking about redesigning um, 19 and 01, the 01 redesign, after that kind of gave him some issues. He really didn't perform successfully here after that. Um, and he's not really the straightest driver of the golf ball. And that has been one of his weaknesses. Uh, very, very well known. He's one of the guys that I'm going to be really, really pulling for. Him and Dustin Johnson are probably the two guys that I'm really, really going to be pulling for. Um, but I don't necessarily know if my brain is going to be with them as much as my heart is. But I do think Phil is going to come in with a game plan. He did say in years past he was kind of um, being really aggressive with the whole locations. Um, and he kind of has a strategy of how to – how to really, really play this course, and he kind of had to relearn it. Um, so I, I'm going to be rooting for. I think he has a legitimate shot to win or give himself a chance to win come weekend. When it comes to majors, you really can't count out the fact that veteran presence and uh, having that that immense history it matters, especially for a guy like Phil Mickelson, who at 51 years old is still able to drive the ball 280 yards, is still able to kind of stick around with the big guys. Like we see guys like Sandy Lyle and John Daly, who who are former uh, Masters winners, PGA champions coming back, and they shoot 14 over. They're only there f- for a good time for two days, and they kind of go home. But Phil Mickelson, for all we know, until he's 60 years old, you can't count him out at all in any major, whatever it is. He's like you said, he isn't one of the straightest drivers. And one of the one of the caveats of Tory Pines here is that literally, like you're driving on a on a one lane highway. This is how thin those the uh, the fairways are. But he's also one of the best players out of the rough in PGA history. And, and we, we've probably seen the videos uh, from the 17th and 18th uh, greenside rough that you can get lost. It, it, you can get lost in the rough quite easily. But again, Phil has, Phil has a, a mysterious knack of doing it. He was the third best player uh, uh, for the first two days at winged foot. And, and like we said, the whole week, the whole, the whole week at winged foot that the rough was so ridiculously hard to get out of. It was going to be a nightmare for anybody to do it yet. Phil Mickelson was able to do it. Although I don't think it's going to be uh, his week. And we're going to talk about him once we get to our picks. I'm kind of alluding to this one here, but who knows? You can, until he's 60 years old, and I can confidently, confidently say it, you can never count out Phil Mickelson for uh, any sort of major. Mm-hmm. Now, last week at Palmetto, Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka were two of the big names that, that, uh, that, that took part in the competition. Dustin Johnson, we're going to start here with him. 
He finished tied for 10th. He had a really ugly triple bogey on the 15th. He was uh, primed to possibly win it. He was top five for the majority of the week. He had a minor, he had a, he went eight under, I believe on the first day, uh, which I, which I believe gave him the, uh, the first round, the first round lead, or he was second in that category, but again, finished tied for 10th. His recent form hasn't been terrific. Actually, ever since the masters, he's only made, uh, he's only made five, five top tens and has made the cut uh, in a little over half of his events. So, is the recently newfound form for Dustin Johnson a really good sign going into Torrey Pines? Oh, yeah, it's a good sign for sure. Um, obviously, there's there's still concerns, to be quite honest with you. Um, he wasn't putting great coming into this tournament, and he really – he showed a little bit of signs of improvement. But, I mean, I am I think myself and other golf analysts wouldn't necessarily be totally confident in his putting going into this week. Um, around the greens, he was kind of a little shaky too. Um, he wasn't really able to get up and down as much as one would have wanted him to, especially in that final round. Um, and then off the tee, he was shaking. The one part of his game that was spot on was his approach shots uh, this weekend, which was really, really good to see. Um, off the tee, he, he's his usual self, but he has every once in a while he'll, he'll lose one um, to the left. And if his, his miss is typically uh, right, so it's, 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 it'll be interesting to see um, if he can correct that tee shot. And obviously he's one of the, the number one ranked player in the world. I, I definitely think he can. Um, he's a guy who I'm going to be rooting for the most because he's my favorite player. Um, again, one of those situations where my, my heart is with him, but my head might not be. Um, but I can easily, I can hundred percent easily see him winning this tournament and I'm going to be rooting for him. Play, that's for sure. He's the number one, he's the number one player in the world for a reason. I think that there's no doubt that he's certainly in a top three conversation and yeah, his form hasn't been terrific, but like I said, driving distance is going to matter. He's one of the better drivers on, on tour, especially with his carrying. Uh, and as of late, he's actually ranked top 10 on, on tour uh, in driving distance uh, and also um, in strokes gained off the tee. So we're going to see what Dustin Johnson's, Johnson's capable of doing. But the other man who played last week, Brooks Kepka, actually missed the cut. Uh, what is there any sort of area of concern here for Brooks Kepka go, go, going, into a, uh, going into this major, considering he's been the assassin uh, just about every single time for, for a major? But missing the cut is a pretty uh, uncharacteristic thing for Brooks. Zero concern whatsoever. I, I couldn't I couldn't possibly emphasize that any less. If you're listening right now and you are currently worried about not picking Brooks Kepka wherever you're gonna pick him because he missed the cut last week, please stop thinking that. Stop what you're doing and stop thinking I get your that thought out of your head. Um, we all know Brooks admitted it himself um, in an interview. He obviously he's really he admits it over and over again. He doesn't have the same focus that he has for majors when he plays in the regular tour events. Um, and that was simply what the case was this weekend. He's one of the most all-around players on tour right now. He, I'm pretty sure he, he honestly might be top 50 in strokes gained putting approach um, around the green and putting or off the tee, excuse me. He might be top 50 in every single one of those. Like he's one of the most all-around players. This course really, really, really does fit him. You know, he's, he's strong enough out of the rough. He is a good enough driver of the ball. He has the distance um, and around the greens. I, I really have a lot of confidence in him going into this week. I wouldn't I wouldn't let a miscut at the Palmetto uh, Championship deter me from picking Brooks Kepler to win this tournament, if that's what I was thinking. So speaking of Brooks, his best friend in the whole wide world, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, is looking to repeat as the champion of the U.S. Open. He won last year at at the U.S. Open at, at, at Wings Foot. But not there, there aren't really concerns about Bryson's game, but rather – 
What's the odds that we might see a Bryson Brooks pairing, not necessarily on, on the weekend uh, as a, uh, as a matchup pairing, but is the PGA tour going to have the balls to put them together? Uh, I don't think they will. No, I don't. I know. I know that the, the, um, the groupings are definitely not randomized, you know, cause they'll like, they'll pair together guys who go to the same college or pair together guys who are from the same country and stuff like that. So it's obviously not randomized. And if they do it, it'll be because of exactly why we're thinking they would do it because of everything in our heads and all of the, the media attention that that one clip got, um, they would literally be doing it because of that. And I think it would be too obvious. I don't think the PGA tour would do it. I do. I think they should do it. Mm, I would say no, just because if they did it, really, I know, I know it would be on purpose. It would be so good for golf, but I know, I know it would be on purpose. And to be honest, I don't think the PGA Tour has to worry about it because I'll, I'll, I think we're going to be seeing these guys here on the weekend. To be honest, while so. golf has boomed so much because of, because of the coronavirus, the fact that that, is, that sales of golf clubs have gone up three hundred percent, fans uh, have watched tournaments at over one hundred fifty percent more than they have in the past. Look, when ESPN does the uh, the ESPN plus feature groups if brooks and bryson is in it i don't care who the third guy is it it could literally be the last ranked amateur in the field it's going to be an absolute show and i think it'd be dumb i actually it would behoove the pga tour to do it considering the idea that you can have two faces just whether it be on thursday or friday not even in the weekend because honestly i do believe uh, by the weekend at some point matchups might actually get in the way that who knows these two guys might actually be the final pairing on Sunday, which would be the most epic turn of events from what we've seen uh, in the last few weeks. But it would be ridiculous for the PGA Tour to not do it. At the end of the day, this has been the biggest meme in PGA Tour history, probably since any sort of commentary related to Tiger Woods. And even then, it isn't really a meme. It's more so just iconic moments. Yeah, Uh, it's it's just a rivalry. It's just a really super, very organic rivalry. Exactly. And I think it'd be absolutely perfect for, uh, for the tour to do it. I think it'd be dumb if they didn't. But at the same mm-hmm. time, though, we've seen the PGA Tour be very uh, gentlemanlike in terms of, oh, we're not going to uh, to stomp on people's toes and kind of make uh, make money off of this. So I do think they're not going to do it. However, I think it would be so ridiculous for them to not do it. We're going to take our final break. And when we come back, we're gonna, we have a slew of picks We're going to talk about who's going to miss the cut, who's going to make the cut, what are the prop bets you should look at, of course, the top 20, 10, 5, and our winner, all of that and more on the Get in the Hole podcast. Steve McAvoy, John Avelia, we will be right back. But first, another word from our sponsors. Theater can simply be defined as someone performing something for someone else. Theater also refers to the space designated for said performance. The term theater can also describe the process in which live performances are created. Acting, directing, producing, designing, all fall under this umbrella of theater. But to a kid in high school, theater can mean so much more. Join us as we draw back the curtain and reveal what I like to call the magic behind the magic. This is Curtain Talk. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams 
go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Welcome on back to the Get in the Hole podcast. It is picks time. John, you had a little something to say about uh, Bruce Kepka uh, while we were away. Well, you want to share that with the fans? Yeah, yeah. So if if for some reason you didn't heed my advice and you're still thinking about not speaking Bruce Kepka <laughs> after everything I said, and we're 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 ten, maybe a little less than ten more minutes in the show, and you're still thinking it for whatever reason. Let me tell you this: before his second place finish at the PGA, he missed his previous two cuts he came in nowhere he came in second at Kew Island just keep that in mind and please please don't let a Palmetto championship miscut deter you from picking Brooks Kepka for this tournament so I'm guessing you're not going to take Brooks Kepka to be to be the guy to miss the cut <laughs> oh you, you think you think is all you got out of that Good. All right, well, folks, here Good listening skills, Steve. Good listening. we're going to give you all, all of our picks. We're actually going to add a few new ones here. We're going to add uh, instead of a fade fade this week, we're going to do guys to miss the cut and make the cut. We're going to try and give you as many players in the field as possible. We've already talked about some of the big hitters, but there are some uh, some quiet guys in the background that you might want to take a look out for. And it's going to start right here. But first, we're going to start, John. Who is your man to miss the cut? My my guy to miss the cut. His Abraham answer. Um, the guy's still looking for his first career PGA Tour victory. Um, he hasn't been playing the best of late. Um, he doesn't. He's not the longest hitter off the tee either. You know, um, U.S. Opens. I don't think he has the best track record. He's he's a guy who I think he's a little bit. Uh, his odds are a little bit too high for me. Um, he's my pick to miss the cut for the week. You know, it's really interesting you you, uh, you mentioned answer because we, we had said it before the Memorial that he's almost a lock for a top 20 in, in almost any tournament he plays. But you're right. He really doesn't have uh, that length. So I totally agree with your pick. But uh, I'm going to double up on a guy who I, who I actually faded in the tournament immediately following the PGA Championship. And he did, in fact, miss the cut. And he's going to miss the cut this weekend. And it's Phil Mickelson. I, I totally – no, believe me. I get it. Phil Mickelson, you can never count him out in a major ever. I understand, but I cannot get over the fact that prior to P- prior to the PGA Championship, he has only made seven. He's only made he's made the weekend seven times since 2019. I'm sorry, the guy just does not have the form of a guy who's going to be able to win at a course at Torrey Pines. He doesn't hit it far enough for me to to to, to possibly put him in the area. If you're gonna, you're going to see this 
as I go on, every single guy who I'm picking this week hits the ball over 320 yards off the tee. I'm literally going to allude to five guys here that, that are that are the only five that can do it. Some of them you probably have never even heard of, but Phil Mickelson can only drive drive the ball 270. And he was able and, and he was able to get it over that 300 plateau at least half the time. Probably gonna land in the rough. He isn't very accurate. And again, this isn't a second shot course where if you land in the rough, it's kind of easy for you. No, it's gonna be incredibly challenging. Just I, I feel like Phil's gonna be making a lot more par saves than than he is opportunities for birdies. And the greens of regulation number is going to plummet. I think Phil Mickelson's going to miss the cut this week. I'll take I'll take a side bet for you off the show. Put five, ten bucks that Phil makes the cut. I'll take that he makes the cut. I mean, because you did you did mention like he's not the longest hitter off the tee, um, but you mentioned his skills out of the rough. There, there enough to make him safe. And to be honest, most most of this course is going to be about getting away with a par and moving yeah. on to the next hole. You know what I mean? Like I I, I completely understand your logic. Um, I just think. The, none of that's going to be the real, real difference maker. I just think it's his course knowledge, and I think he's going to have a new approach this week. Um, I don't necessarily think he's going to win or anything, but I do think we're going to see him around on the weekend. Well, so here's the thing. The rumor has it that apparently uh, over the last few majors at municipal golf courses, the cut line has been somewhere in the in the 200, 300 range. So guys usually tend to score really well. We saw it at TBC Harding Park. Uh, Colin Morikawa won a 23 under par. So there's certainly an opportunity to, that, that we're going to see a lot of these uh, situations where maybe Phil, he might only have three, uh, three, three birdies, the, the, the three birdies that are going to get him under the card for the entire, uh, for the first two days. I really don't know if he's going to be, if he's going to be able to do it. If he, if, if he can look again, you can't count on Phil, but I'm not all, I'm not all that much trusting in him. But John, speaking of guys, we are going to trust who's going to be your guy to make the cut. Uh, my guy to make the cut is Brendan Steele. So Brendan Steele has made his last 12 cuts. He, I mean, he's not, he, he, there's not a lot of flashiness to his game. He's just a really, really solid player. Um, he's not the best putter, but he's made his last 12 cuts. And I don't think that streak is going to be broken at Torrey Pines. Now for a guy that we usually talk about to make the cut, especially like for this, we kind of mentioned that we want guys who are a little uh, obscure. And Brendan Steele was actually in the, uh, the Monday qualifying for the U.S. Open managed to get it, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. and he really is a solid pick to this week to make it. But my guy, like I've been saying though, the entire show, driving distance matters. Who was the longest driver at Palmetto last week? Gee, um, I have no idea. Who is it? His name's Wilco Wilco Nienaber. I know it's a ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw that, that guy. I, he's he's young and he has a really cool. So I like that guy. He has a good swing. I like. And he has a, and he, he has a ludicrous ludicrous last name. He's plus twenty one hundred for a top ten. Honestly, he might be a look there considering he drives the ball three hundred sixty yards. That's crazy. He, he drives the ball less than Bryson Shamo by less than two yards. It's ridiculous. The guy might not have a terrific game all around. But if you can put the ball 360, and again, like Bryson DeChambeau, if you can lay up with a pitching wedge on your second shot for a par four, who knows? You you there could be there could very well be, be plenty of opportunities. And when you are able to drive the ball that well, and also he does it straight. It isn't like Bryson DeChambeau where he can hit it 47 yards into Narnia. At the very least, he puts the ball in the fairway. So I'm very I'm looking forward for Wilco Nienaber. Plus twenty one hundred for a for a top ten. You might want to look at it there, throw throw a little dollar down because again, one dollar to win to uh to win twenty one. I'll take that all day long. John, your top 20 this week, where are you going? My top 20 is going to be Mark Leishman. 
the king of Torrey Pines, as some might call him. Um, I believe he won here. Was it in 2020? I believe he won here. Um, I think I think it was 2020. I, I could be wrong. My memory could be failing me. Um, but he has um, five top tens and two runner-ups at Torrey Pines. You know, this guy knows his course. Um, and like we say with the majors and especially the U.S. Opens, um, if you look at the history, um, really, really, that's what matters a lot. Pass finishes and stuff like that. And a guy with five top tens at this course, I, I really couldn't. I couldn't not pick him for a top 20 given the value that he has. So I was debating for my top 20 this week to go with someone kind of obvious or go with someone a little more obscure. Uh, and originally I had this guy actually as my best bet of the week, but I moved him to the top 20 solely for the reason that he's a little more obscure and I wanted the best bet to kind of include somebody uh, who has a track record. I'm going with Chan Kim at plus 1,200. No one's ever heard of this guy, and honestly, neither have I. But listen to this. he usually He's usually one of the longest hitters, if not the longest, uh, where he plays in his native Japan. When he played for the Monday qualifying for the U.S. Open, he blew away everyone in, dri- in driver driving distance by over 65 yards. Uh, he qualified for the field also in California, too. So he's, so he's used to the conditions around this area. He was 23rd in the PGA Championship, which very, very much under, uh, under the radar. He's, he gained almost six strokes ball striking at the PGA Championship, which is ridiculous, especially at a windy Kiowa Island. He also finished top 10 in fairways uh, in fairways and regulation again incredibly windy course so if you're able to hit it straight off the tee it's huge he has five wins in japan two majors in the far east and all and all on courses that aren't really set to cater to long bomb players so in a course that actually favors guys who who, who, are, who can hit it long i'm looking at a guy who's pretty valuable here he played he played his college ball at arizona state he's played a lot of amateur golf on the west coast he might not very well. He might not be very well known here in the states, but I think after this week, you're gonna know who Chan Kim is. Plus, plus twelve hundred Chan Kim top twenty. You you're shaking your head. You're, you're like, who the hell is that? Oh, I, that's no, that's a really. I don't. I don't know. I don't hate that pick at all. That's a really, really. That's that's a pick that's got guts, and I love it. I love that pick. You know, I I've heard I've heard that guy's name. I I can't say that I've I can put a face to the name, no. but I've heard I've I've heard of his name before. And given all all of his accolades, you just mentioned his entire freaking golf resume there. It's a pick with guts, and I respect guts because I really don't have a lot of gutsy picks. And I'm normally one in my past few weeks. I've picked some gutsy guys, so I, I have to respect that. 100%. Well, honestly, at this point, uh, especially with majors and. Uh, going chalk and taking big time names. Honestly, I, I don't think anybody from our top 10 on is going to be anybody uh, who's really obscure. So we're going to start here with here. Top 10, John, who you got? I have Tony Finau coming in my top 10. He obviously, we know, one of the longest drivers on tour, um, tied for second earlier this year at the Farmers. Um, he's, I think he's really, really put himself in a good position to win, potentially win his first major championship. And he, I don't think he has a tour win yet, right? Nope. Uh, well, yeah. not, not since 2015. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's been a minute. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He, he yeah, he's putting himself, he's putting himself in a position um, to when he came, I think he finished 10th at the masters. Um, and he was also top 10 at the PGA championship. Um, his length is going to be obviously uh, a significant advantage over other players. Um, I mean, his swing is just so nice. It doesn't even look like he's swinging that hard. Um, he really just has to just, put himself in a good position, uh, keep his drive straight. And if he does that, I think there's really, really no way this guy doesn't come top 20 and potentially no way that he gets top, come top 10. 
he is my top 10 pick for the weekend. Finau is one of the best guys at placing top 20 in majors ever. He's he's so good at being able to, to fit his way in. And honestly, this season has really been a, a testament to that. Even, even in the regular season, although he doesn't win, he, starts, he certainly wins you plenty of money in the top 10 area. My top 10 is another guy who kind of falls in, in that category. And uh, I, I said this a while ago, and actually it came true at the Memorial. He could not play for three weeks, go, go to a tournament, miss the cut, come back and win the event. My top 10 this week is Patrick Reed at plus 200. He isn't one of the longest guys, and he's really the only guy that I have this week who isn't a long ball hitter. But he, here's the thing. Prior to his last win, also he won uh, actually at Torrey Pines a while ago. Um, recently in U.S. Opens, he's finished inside, inside of the top 15 in four of his last six starts. Prior to his last win, he had, he had a sixth-place finish, and he's never missed the cut in four starts at the U.S. Open. At, oh, I'm sorry, at, at Torrey Pines, rather. Um, he's been dialed in uh, for, for a short game, and that's really going to be the reason why he uh, ends up placing so high. Again, he isn't a, uh, a insane driver off the tee, but he's very straight. He doesn't lose strokes on the green. He hasn't lost any, actually, since March. And he's gained strokes putting in 11 of his last 13 events. The guy is so good from inside 175 yards. And that's going to be a situation that you see guys like Webb Simpson is a really popular pick this week. Another guy who I was looking out for that you want to get, you want, you want guys who might not, if they aren't lethal uh, on the tee shot, they better be lethal from within 200 yards. And Patrick Reed's one of those guys. I have him at plus 200. John, your top five. My top five pick is a home run. I couldn't be any more confident in this guy. Just like I was as adamant as I was about picking Kepka or not picking Kepka. If you were thinking about not picking him, Xander Shoffley is my top five pick this, uh, this week. Now listen, this guy, he came, we know he came tied for second and just this January at this course. Um, like I said, he has struggled before here. Um, he has never finished worse than tied for sixth at a U.S. Open. It's, it's his time. I feel like, I feel like it's his time to potentially break through and maybe even win this event. I was really thinking about picking him to win this event. Um, he was just a home run for a top five, to be honest. There's no way this guy doesn't come top five. If if he doesn't come top five, I don't know. I'll I'll give you five bucks team or something like that. I don't know. Buy a Coke, whatever you want. Um, but yeah, this guy, this guy's coming top five for sure. My top five pick this week is actually somebody who hasn't necessarily played uh, terrific golf lately, but his uh, his play at Palmetto is uh, is a encouraging sight. Dustin Johnson at plus three fifty. Yes, he's a top three favorite in the event, but again, his recent form doesn't really give me a lot of reasoning to believe he might he might he might win it. Uh, mm-hmm. He's certainly one of the better drivers on tour. He's again one of those five tool guys like uh, Brooks Kepka, like Xander Schauffele. I feel really bad not putting Schauffele here top five, but I want to get a little uh, d- diversity in our picks. Uh, if you weren't if you weren't taking Xander, I would have. But Dustin Johnson really just is the is the entire package in golf, and honestly, in a major. In any situation, even though he missed the cut at the PGA Championship as well as missed the cut at the Masters, this is really his chance to kind of get back. He's had he had a top ten finish this past week. He had a top top twenty five last uh, his last time out. So I really do think this is an opportunity for Dustin Johnson to really show his stripes, get back in there, and notch notch that top five. Before we get into our winners, though, we got to talk our best bet of the week as well as our best prop bet. We're going to start with the prop bet. Uh, because our best bet tends to be something that's going to be all in for the money. So, John, what is your best prop bet of the week? Meaning, not necessarily a uh, a pick mm-hmm. for a certain positioning, but rather a hole in one, an albatross, something yeah. that possibly even a nationality prop. What do you got? 
Absolutely. So earlier I alluded to the 18th hole being the easiest hole in this course. Um, and this could be a place where players can get a stroke before finishing up their round. Um, it could potentially um, lead to a player making the cut, could potentially lead to a player missing the cut if they can't birdie this hole or something like that. Um, however, like I said, this will play as the easiest hole this year. Um, so I predict that in the final round on the last hole, the winner of this tournament will make a birdie. What's the odds on that? I don't know, to be honest. I just know it's a prop bet. Well, the, I'm gonna win it. So, well, the odds are the odds. Actually, I'm looking at it uh, right here. The odds are actually plus two twenty, which is actually pretty uh, pretty solid. Those, yeah, I'm, those are pretty. Those are really good odds. Yeah, almost free money there. My my best prop bet actually is gonna go go to a nationality bet. Uh, I was looking around at these. There's top Englishmen, top American, top European. It's so ridiculously mm-hmm. hard to pick top American or top European. Is honestly one of them. Someone's gonna win it. Uh, so I ended up going to the to the category of the top English slash Irish player. And uh, there's only one person that I could possibly go with. It's the guy who looks just like me. I'm going Shane Lowry as the top English slash Irish player. I think Shane Lowry is going to finish top 10. Here's the thing. The, the, the two top guys that he's going up against in odds, first of all, he's plus 600 on this category. The top two guys that he's up against are Tyrrell Hatton, Rory McIlroy, and Paul Casey. So Shane Lowry this year has been in an extremely good format as of late. He's t- he finished tied for sixth at the Memorial, tied for fourth at the PGA Championship. He had two really strong finishes at Torrey Pines. I have no worries about him handling the length of, of this course either. I think it's only, he's almost like he's a shoe in for a top ten. Yeah. Honestly, if Patrick Reed wasn't going to be on the board, and my best bet was yeah. different, Shane Lowry would be the would be the best bet. Yeah, if Finau if Finau and Reed weren't on the board, uh, he Dude. he would have easily been my top ten. Yeah, plus, we're in full agreement there. Plus six hundred. I'm just gonna throw the four hundred one k at this guy, Shane Lowry. Also, if you don't follow the Shane Lowry tracker on Twitter, you're missing out because it's because it yes, is. Yes, shout out at Shane Lowry tracker, the best the best PGA Tour tracker by far. He's the homie. Got Actually, uh, the Siwoo Kim tracker is pretty good considering he misses more cuts. No, stop, stop. Nothing. No one beats Shane. Lowry tracker. He, that man is always on top of Shane Lowry. He covers Shane Lowry when nobody even knows the tournament name. He covers Shane Lowry. All right, John, who's your best bet this week? My best bet this week is Patrick Reed coming top 10. I think um, he's obviously your top 10 pick. You gave a multitude of reasons. Let me just add on to those reasons. Um, so his last three trips to Tory, he's won tied for 13th, Tied for sixth, and then he won this year. Um, and I think the biggest, the biggest, biggest thing in Patrick Reed's favor is the Poa Nua Greens this week. Since 2010, um, no one has more uh, strokes gained on po- Poa Nua Greens than strokes Reed. And that is per rickjimgood.com is where I found that. Um, to, give, to give credit where credit is due. This guy puts the lights out on all greens, um, but especially this particular type of greens. I think he's going to, like you said, this isn't necessarily the, the course where um, strokes and putting matters. I think he's going to pick up some strokes on the green, and he has enough distance off the tee. He plays that fade shot um, that he can really, really control. I think he's going to have a really, really good weekend. My best bet this week, and you mentioned this, that I, that I have some very gutsy picks. This is my gutsiest pick quite possibly of the bunch. There are only three guys so far this year that have multiple wins on tour. It's Bryson DeChambeau, Stewart Sink, and my guy, Jason Kokrak, for a top 10 at plus 400. First of all, wow. 
he has the distance to possibly win it. He's he has the distance. He loves the number 22. He's ranked 22nd on tour in driving distance, 22nd in strokes gained off the tee. He's climbed to the 22nd best player in the official world golf rankings. He's playing the best golf of his entire life, and he's an old man at this point. He's He won his last start at Charles Schwab, uh, that actually, that you were at. He hasn't missed a cut in 2021. He has 13 straight made cuts, five top 15 finishes in his last eight tournaments. Jason Kokrak for a top 10. My goodness. I love that. This man. I really, I really, really love that pick. People don't realize how long he is off the tee. Like he really bombed, he really bombs it down there. And he, when he won at Colonial, that's not a course where you win off of distance. That's a course where you win off of approach shots and, and around the greens and scrambling and stuff like that. That's where he made his money. So he's clearly firing on all cylinders heading into this week. So I, I got to give it to you that. That's another great pick that I love. So while our best bets might might very well bring us to the ticket window, the winner is going to really make us the big money. Who is going to win the 182nd U.S. Open? This particular person, this man, in five starts at Torrey Pines, he's four top ten finishes. He led by six strokes at the Memorial Tournament going into the final round. No, he didn't win that event. He said, I'm too good. I, I beat these guys so bad. I'm just going to withdraw. Oh, shut <laughs> up. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm just that nice of a guy. I'm going to give it to them because I'm playing the best off of my life. And this is unfair. John Brown is my pick to win the U.S. Open in the year 2021 at Torrey Pines. Book it. I, he was the favorite. And I usually, I don't like picking the favorite just because like, like he picked the favorite, you know what I mean? But I, I had a hard time not picking John Rahm here. And, and the, the reason is he's playing the outside. I mean, maybe Kokrak is playing through Ralph Spieth. And he's kind of a little been a little shaky lately. Outside of Kokrak, he's, he's playing some of the best golf on tour, if not the best golf. And what we saw from him was kind of like 2020 DJ-esque, what he did at the Memorial. And he's going to carry that in. This isn't really a particular course that really favors – um, players who fade the ball, players who draw the ball. Um, so he, he's going to use his fade to really just pound, pound the ball down there. Um, and then from there, he's just going to do what he does best, get it close on the green. Um, I think he, the only thing that I'm somewhat concerned um, is his strategy because he doesn't necessarily um, come off as the guy that's like strategy golfer. But with those finishes, um, the four top tens, I, I have so much confidence in him going into this weekend. So I also don't like picking winners. Uh, oh, sorry, picking favorites yeah, uh, of tournaments. And no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to double up John Rahm here. But I'm going to go with the uh, the one guy who I've been waiting to pick him for a winner of a tournament. Um, if you notice behind me, uh, aside from the clothes that that are right here, I have my things. But there's a little opening right here, like right in this little area. There's usually a little, a little photo there. Uh, but that, oh that's because I'm holding it right now. <laughs> Bryson DeChambeau is going to win the goddamn thing. This He's going to go back to back. Bryson, also, this is from uh, when he won at the U.S. Open uh, last year, winged foot. Bryson DeChambeau is going to win the U.S. Open back to back, be the first person to ever do it. And here's why Bryson DeChambeau, of course, the best driver in golf. I don't really care if he hits it 40 yards and 40 yards into Narnia. Because last year at Wings Foot, everyone was like, oh, you're never going to be able to use driver. And what did Bryson DeChambeau do the, Do every single tee shot? He used the driver. He didn't pull his three-wood out once. Well, mm -hmm. granted, granted the par threes. But Bryson DeChambeau doesn't care what your feelings are toward, towards the rough. 
He's going to use and abuse it with every single with every fiber of his being. And look, he's one of the better players this year in approach shots from the rough, which is a very odd was a very odd stat stat to consider here. But he's so good that again, he could put the ball 400, 400 yards and, and, and hit a hit a lob wedge 120 yards into the green and be setting up for an eagle putt on a par five. He's this, he's this talented. I really do think that Bryson DeChambeau has the best opportunity here to win again. And again, yeah. it's the courses that – and then like Wingfoot wasn't a course that uh, supported lawn drivers. When he won at Detroit at the Rocket Mortgage, wasn't, wasn't a course that supported that. Bay Hill, outside of the, uh, the one par five that, that, that had you go all the way around the lake, isn't really a course that, that thrives on, on really incredible driver play. Bryson DeChambeau is my guy to win it, bring it all the way home to the ticket booth. Plus fifteen hundred, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna hope that this picture from the from the hundred eighty first, there might be a second one that I'm gonna buy from the hundred eighty second. I'm gonna pick the trophy right there. I love it. To add to what you just said, you know, you mentioned what um, obviously number one strokes gain off the tee, um, his approach shots from the rough with the strength that he has and and the the height that he gets on those shots, they land really softly. He's also gained fourteen. Uh, 0.12 strokes game putting in the last three U.S. Opens, um, and only two other players in U.S. Open history have more game over that uh, that stretch. So his putting is very very underrated, especially at the U.S. Opens where he has the advantage of having the uh, the yardage books and the slopes and all that. Um, he's he's I think he can excel, and there, I, and it's it's tough because I love my picks, but there's so many guys who I didn't pick that I'm going to be rooting for. Like, I'm, I'm going to be rooting for Dustin Johnson. I'm going to be rooting for Bryson Jeffrey. I'm going to be rooting for Zal Torres. Um, I'm going to be rooting for Speed. I don't think he's going to win, but I'm going to be rooting for all those guys. And it's tough to have to really, really narrow it down. Um, but, man, I wish I could have picked him, but I, I just couldn't. But, obviously, you know, just a, just a solid, solid pick. No one favors a U.S. Open foul course more than Bryson DeChambeau. Um, he's going to be in the top 10 100%. The fucking the final round is gonna be so amazing. I'm just I can't I just can't. I'm like I, I can't wait because I, I know I know the guys that are gonna be there. I feel like, and I could be completely wrong. I know all the guys we talked about are gonna be there, and I think it's gonna be crazy. If there and I and I really do think it's a possibility that that the final three pairings that we're gonna see uh, in those duo pairings, I very much think we might very well see Brooks oh, Bryson, yeah. DJ, and like Rory. And then Shawfley and some underdog who comes out of yeah. the work and just pulls it, pulls it out the bag. Honestly, one of those guys who, who I really think uh, yeah. is a name you should look out for is probably is Patrick Cantlay. Uh, he plays incredibly well. Corey Pines really well uh, off the tee. And like his win at Memorial, granted, John Rahm ha- had to withdraw because of COVID. He, although he was gifted it, he still has the, those five tools to really get oh, yeah. it done. Uh, before we go, though, I really want to – um, harp on one thing. If you guys uh, took a look at, at our Twitter recently, um, actually, I'm wearing it right now. Hopefully, we're able to get this on, on video and I can share it on Twitter. But um, I'm wearing the uh, the LPGA hoodie for golf uh, design, designed by uh, Michelle Wee West. Uh, I want to give a little shout out to the, LP, to the LPGA and Fanatics for, for getting this together. I ordered it back in April. I waited two months for it because it was an um, exclusive special order. A bunch of guys on tour have been getting it. Uh, Ian Poulter, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Speed, they've all worn it and supported it. Um, guys have even worn it out to their rain sessions before before tournaments. Uh, if you are able to possibly purchase it, it's uh, super limited right now, but on fanatics.com, I'm going to put the uh, the link to it below uh, the podcast once it releases. But it's, it's 70 bucks. All the proceeds go to 
uh, minority and female golfers uh, to try and grow the game as well as uh, an organization to support um, black golfers across the country to try and grow the game there. Uh, as we know, there are very few on tour. Uh, I'm not even sure if there are, uh, are, are any on the LPGA tour, but as far as the men go, uh, the only black athletes that I know of are uh, Tiger Woods, Harold Varner, and Cameron Champ. So hopefully we're able to gain, uh, able to grow the game more. Hopefully there's going to be a bigger market for, uh, for golf, being that it is a uh, predominantly white niche sort of sport. But hopefully uh, with the proceeds of this hoodie, uh, the, the game will grow further and, uh, and make a bigger impact. But as always, folks, thank you so much for joining us on the Get in the Hole podcast. John Mavalia, Stephen McAvoy, Golf Claps, uh, Ted Little uh, speech there. We want to thank our sponsors over at Kenwood Beer, at Manscaped, at Tomahawk Shade, at everywhere, uh, including Stateside Vodka, all those folks for, for making Underground Sports the best podcast, podcast network in America and making Get in the Hole what, in my opinion, the best golf podcast on the market. Sorry, subpar. Sorry, foreplay. We are simply better than you. Folks, that's going to do it for another episode. John's literally waving it out, ready to go. Oh, man. This, oh, literally, this The man literally has the seven iron uh, in the background. Hopefully, we're going to get Actually, it. Seven. I'm going to get that. I'm going to, I'm going to get it and make it a gift. I really hope, hope I can. But, folks, once again, thank you all for tuning in. Go follow us on, on social media at Get In The Whole Pod on Instagram and Twitter, John with a horrible backswing. We're going to be back next week with a recap of the U.S. Open, as well as a look into the Travelers Championship. Hopefully, I'm going to actually be there um, legitimately. I certainly am trying to get tickets to it. We'll see what happens, folks. Take it easy. Maybe I'll be there with you. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. Take it easy, folks. Thank you for listening to the Get in the Hole podcast, a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Get In The Whole Pod, and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Shout out to our sponsors over at Tomahawk Shades and Stateside Vodka for all their support in making underground sports your go-to place for all things sports. The Get In The Whole Podcast, hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia, releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next time. Get in the hole!